0: New York City, 1984. Crime is at an all-time high. Gangs of drugged-out punks roam the streets, preying on the innocent. A rash of kidnappings involving young women has gripped the city with fear. The citizens of New York are fed up. The city needs hope. The city needs a, hero.
1: a ninja! Jesus, it's in the title, people! God damn it.
0: Well, that was Caleb Leger, and I'm Josh Allred. Welcome to a very special Filmgasm. Filmgasm. <laughs> Happy Wednesday, everybody. I hope you are well-rested and recovered from your post-Valentine's humpings and you haven't chafed your loins too much. I, for one, haven't done anything. What about you?
1: Nothing. It's my dog's birthday, so that's all I really care about.
0: <laughs> yes, so a very special happy birthday to the only dog that matters as far as Filmgasm goes, Duke. Duke. He is 8 years old, reaching way, way, way deep into old man dog territory. So, uh, happy birthday, Duke.
1: Yeah, keep uh, live a lot longer, Duke. Uh, I can't imagine life without you, so I swear to God, Duke, I need you.
0: He's single, ladies. <laughs> All right, so... That's why I need Duke. <laughs> All right, so uh, I don't really uh, have much as far as, like... Rewind material goes. Although I think we could talk a little bit about the trailer for the yet another Children of the Corn movie that's coming out. Um, what do you think about uh, this little uh, soon-to-be-released uh, jaunt from uh, the old Corn Boys or Corn Kids? Since you know we want to make sure that everybody is represented.
1: I so badly wanted to say Cornhole, and I was like, there's children involved. Let's not <laughs> go that no, route.
0: No, that's something you find on Pornhub, I'm sure.
1: <laughs> or if you're Marilyn Manson. Um, <laughs> look, this is a series that, like, let's let's just be honest with ourselves, and I'm not coming after anyone who loves this franchise. For me, I think, like a lot of horror fans, the first one's decent enough. I I, I own it. It's a fun enough watch. After that, like, I could care less about any of the sequels that came out or the sci-fi remake that came out a long time ago so for me i'm like hey you know what why not let's let's see what you can do with this um i'm not like it's not compared to like everything else kind of coming out this year that i know that we know as far as now coming out it's not way up there but i'll give it a shot i'll see what they gotta do it did look like they're going in on like the gore and the violence which i'm always up for any kind of carnage candy so it even if it's like not great but gives me gore i'll take it
0: yeah absolutely um one of the things i really enjoy about the first children of the corn and the story in general is that it actually is a, a a way that stephen king was writing folk horror before it really got labeled as such um so that idea in and of itself is worth exploring especially when you consider that there are well not there are but there is kind of a resurgence of kind of like fundamentalism and extremism as far as religious minded people go so i like you i don't really have high hopes for it i am i'm always interested because i think the idea is something that is always ripe to explore and who knows we could be surprised although with the way the movie was delayed originally and all kinds of rumors were coming out about the production and reshoots and all this other stuff who knows what we're actually going to get um i am i'm just always going to be there to support horror in theaters you know because Mm -hmm. Horror movies are the only thing that keeps theaters alive, even though everybody wants to malign them, and the Academy really just for some reason hates horror movies. I don't know. We're going after everybody in like the first four minutes. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't care. Come at me, bro. Find me on the internet. Let's do battle.
1: No, I'm I'm with you. No, know, I actually talked about this recently with um, I not the most recent talked about horror film, the Outlawters but. With Skin of Marink. Um, you know, I, I I wasn't able to see it in theaters, wasn't really playing anywhere near us when I looked. But, you know, I caught it when it finally came, put got put on a shutter. And I'm one of those like, look, it wasn't I didn't care for it all that much. I thought it was okay. It was much more of an experience than a film. But in my, I was happy it was successful. So day anyway, that's a win for horror. Whether it's something I don't really care for, or like I said, another children of corn film, hey, it's a win for horror. It's whether it's a, a, another franchise getting a the next installment or an original film coming out a win's a win um you know like with with march coming up right they're opening fucking scream 6 and 65 and it's like look you have a weekend i'm sure i know how people are going to be man there's nothing original coming out you probably won't watch it because you're all going to go see scream 6 let's just be honest with ourselves but the option's there And I I sincerely hope both do good, because then it says, like, hey, we still want the stuff that we do like and enjoy new installments, but also we want this new exciting thing, especially because Jurassic World Man can go suck my dick, and I want a good dinosaur movie, goddammit.
0: (laughs) You hear that, folks? Go support Caleb and his love of dinosaur movies. Goddammit. Um, Okay, so... We are talking about new movies. We're talking about, you know, new installments, reboots, things like that. I think that's a decent enough segue, and I'm going to, I'm just going to go for it to kind of talk about our movie this week, which for 35 plus years was just forgotten, unfinished, sitting in a can in a long defunct company's catalog and was picked up by the. One of the most, I guess, for me, one of the, one of the more beloved uh, boutique labels that are out there. I'm talking, of course, about the fine folks at Vinegar Syndrome who do the, do some of the best work when it comes mm-hmm. to restoration, preservation of genre films of all stripes. Not mm-hmm. just horror or exploitation, but action movies, kung fu movies pornos like
1: these people oh, yeah. they just are, are well so they just said their peak of romance so Valentine's Day so those who want to get some hardcore erotica you get at a reduced price
0: look and if you can't watch porn with your lover then what why are you even in a relationship just saying
1: mm-hmm. and don't ask how navy people watch porn you don't want to hear the answer to that when on deployment <laughs> you will be disturbed
0: I wasn't going to let those uh, fine folks that listen to this show where their tax dollars are going, but yeah, you kind of just uh, let a little bit of that cat out of the bag, so to speak. Um, I don't care. It's traded like currency. Uh, Anyway, so... um, Hot pockets. What? So look, uh, the movie we're talking about is New York Ninja. Uh, this movie was unfinished, had no sound, no script, and was not even edited at the time that the editor and director, uh, Curtis uh, Spiler, Spieler, I hope I'm not butchering your name, um, actually saw the box that contained the actual film elements for it and was excited about what could be in there. Um, say what you will about the 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 movie that curtis and vinegar syndrome released uh whether you just didn't enjoy it i don't know how you couldn't um but these people are champions of cinema first and foremost um they've developed a reputation over the years as a company devoted to restoring and preserving lost or forgotten films um in uh curtis's own words they treat all of these forgotten films as if they were Citizen Kane. And that's what sets Vinegar Syndrome apart from other boutique labels. Uh, their passion and commitment to bringing these hidden gems out of the shadows and into the light to get the audience they deserve. Um, it's, it's been one of these companies that I have really latched onto because with a simple description, they could get me to blind buy almost anything. And I have yet to be let down by anything I've gotten from them. And I would be really sad if I never got anything from them ever again. But what they've done to this point has been nothing short of outstanding. And they continue to push the envelope um, along with a lot of the partner labels that they come, that they bring in under their umbrella. Um,
1: the recent branch now into um, publishing uh comics and books now they you know they saved ibon press which was great
0: i was i was just getting to that so
1: took the one out of his cells no
0: it's no you didn't take the one out of my cells in my head i did go on okay what, what, whatever makes you sleep at night Um, that will
1: make me sleep at night
0: so like if you guys listened to our episode on the beyond way back last year um no shit it's almost two years now it's almost Um, two years Connor and I, um, with the help of Sean Lewis from Ibon Press, uh, he hooked us up with uh, some of the uh, some of the run that they did for the Beyond, and we used that as a companion piece to compare with Lucio Fulci's seminal film, one of my personal favorites of his, and showed that you know being able to be a fan of something is a great way to expand upon it an idea and bring something even even more outrageous mm-hmm. onto pages. If you haven't had a chance to get to Ibon press and check their shit out, do it now. and be thankful that somehow some way, by Satan's sweet magic, uh, Vinegar Syndrome and Ibon have teamed up and we're going, going to continue to get the quality work that they've been putting out on their own. Um, Sean is amazing and mm-hmm. I was very uh, fortunate and very grateful that he um, allowed us to you know, look at his comics and compare them to Lucio Fulci's work. So I'm looking forward to everything that comes out of their collaboration with Vinegar Syndrome and uh, Vinegar Syndrome Publishing.
1: Yeah, I uh, I wasn't on that episode. I think that's when I was like, I was either on the, on the my deployment at the time or in the process of like moving. I forgot. I know I was doing something, so it just wasn't feasible. um But because when you guys did that, I looked into it because um, I know you had told me once about Ivan back when you got the um some issues of zombie in a contest, and I looked into it, but it was at time I just didn't have the money at the time. um And then when you guys brought it up, I was like, oh yeah, let me look into that. And now you've seen my collection. I got like anything that they had in stock like full series of i've been reading so much of it um i was very very happy to see that because i've you know i've been reading the maniac two issues uh issue three fucking wild i read you know escape from the beyond issue one which was great um i've been i've been doing their original stuff in the wasteland 1989 series so it's like knowing that you know that shit i'm not gonna be left with a cliffhanger on a lot of stuff because I'm really into it. And like I said, I love what the, the, what they put into it, the craft and just the passion and knowing that that stuff's continuing. I am going to keep getting it. And now what you, like you said, a, comp- a movie company that is one of the best when it comes to being like a physical release company. And they announced that they're starting with reissues of zombie, which was the one I was trying to get. But you know, the, at when I, you know, just my luck, of course, when I got on there, the, the big, Issue that had all of them was sold out, and you know, a couple issue individual issues were sold out already. So I was like, "Fuck!" But the reissue in it, I can fucking read Zombie now and see all the cool shit they did with adapting that and expanding on it. Can't wait. But um, yeah, Vinegar Syndrome itself, kind of going back to them there. You know, I you're I know you're a lot deeper with what you have in the collection than I do. Um, right now I've been mean, kind of relatively safe and sticking with stuff I've seen on Joe Bob or when they do things like Texture change you know, Texture change on massacre Two or. One of my personal favorite Swayze films that I will never, ever not let anyone see in their lives, Roadhouse. God, that'd magical. magical. Um, so, but what I've gone, I love, I adore, because, and it's like you said, it's it doesn't matter if it's something like Blood Harvest or they got their hands on, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. Like they put the same amount of love and care in either one, regardless of. You know, it's, it's quote unquote status in horror and cinema history. And that, that's awesome. There's nothing, you know, they always do the best what they can do with that film.
0: Oh, totally. And they put their money where their mouth is. Um, Just the other day, they showed a picture of their new film scanner and they were like, Oh, Hey, you know, all that money you guys uh, gave to us by, you know, buying into our sales and all that stuff. This is what it went to. And they really are all about giving back to the fans who are themselves as well as we are. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are even just casually collecting things, I mean, they have movies that you would absolutely want to have. Um, for me, like a personal favorite of mine from back in the video store days was Ticks, And mm-hmm. when they were like, yeah, we're doing a 4K of it, I was like uh, buying it didn't even need to hear or see anything else, that's when I went and I I immediately jumped on that. Um, Like you said about uh, Texas Chainsaw 2, I had a, I think it's the Gruesome Edition DVD. I had that for the longest time, still do. And when they said they were doing the 4K of it, boom. Day one, easy, easy sell for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I I enjoy it because having Vinegar Syndrome and Arrow and... Um, Scream. Scream Factory, Severin, like mm-hmm. all these, it's like having a friend of yours that has seen more movies than you telling you, hey dude, you like that? You're gonna love this. What is it? Oh well, <laughs> wait till you find out. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like, to uh, to bring uh, Severin back up, they did a release of Blood for Dracula, and then Vinegar Syndrome said, okay, cool. We're gonna do Flesh for Frankenstein. Two of the weirdest ass fucking movies that you would never even know about unless you were involved or really into underground cult movies. And the fact that those movies are even available now is amazing. And I love it. And that work and that love and that passion is what brought New York Ninja to life because for the longest time, it was just a, a, a series of film roles in a box labeled New York Ninja that was owned by a now long defunct company called 21st Century Distribution. They went bankrupt in the eighties and vinegar syndrome acquired their catalog. Uh, Curtis at the time was a new employee of vinegar syndrome. He was walking through getting led around by a guy named Brandon Upson, who is a longtime employee and the resident film scanner. Um, Curtis asked him about the box and he was pretty sure that all of the original camera rolls of the unfinished movie were inside. And Curtis was determined to find out what was in there. But how does a movie like New York Ninja go unseen for over 35 years? Like what happened? What happened to cause this movie to not even be released mm-hmm. and to be just stuck on a shelf? Because that is a fate that happens more times than most movie watching people even are aware of. Um, yeah. It happens a lot more now because we have a lot more transparency. But this is not something that's new and something that people just go, "Oh wow!" Like I didn't even know that movie in, w- w- didn't well, even get released.
1: And some people forget some of these some big hit films they love sat on shelves for years. Um, just thinking about it, uh, you know, another horror franchise that people latched on to, but the Paranormal Activity franchise, a lot of people forgot that, like, oh, dude, like, they were such geniuses with the first one and blah, blah, blah. I was like, yeah, you know they sat on that film for, like, years? Like, the film was completed well before 2007, and then it just sat and sat until finally, Par- I think it was Paramount that own- that owns the series. Yeah, they did, because they put the newest one on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, They own it, and they just did a and the execs do this all the time they kind of routinely go through their shit and like huh we're just sitting on the shelf that we haven't maybe we could dump something out luck of the trial they grab paranoid activity and then it ended up becoming like a humongous hit that took away from Saul. not that i'm still jealous or anything but uh you know, become a hero. And a lot of people forget that, that so many films you love, so many, so many, especially as, you know, I've been kind of, you know, on my, on the show I host Beyond the Bad and delving into like how this stuff gets made a lot more on, on like those films at least. So much that we now love and laud are films that sometimes just sat because the studios thought no one wants to fucking see this.
0: Yeah. And one of the other questions is like, who was involved in the production, and would they even be alive to give any insight as to what happened. Um, From what I can gather from the making of uh, Doc and the book that was included with the uh, release, the physical release of New York Ninja, there wasn't a lot of information to go on and they don't really know what what happened. I mean, I'm sure there were some budgetary issues, that led to it being shelved. I mean, there was one person that they needed to get in touch with, and that was a name that showed up on the slate as the director, and that name was John Liu. John Liu, uh, for me, he was was a new name, Um, but if you were a fan of kung fu flicks from Hong Kong in the 70s and 80s, uh, he was he was absolutely a, a known factor as far as that goes, um, and before that he was just uh, he was just he was just a uh, he was just a guy that got trained uh, in Taekwondo by a man named Tantao Lang, who was also known as Flashlegs, due to his impressive kicking technique that uh, John actually uh, developed his own uh, style for and uh, showed off. With some impressive uh, footwork in uh, New York Ninja. Uh, say what you will about the fight scenes in this movie. Like, I know it's, f- for me at times, it's way choreographed and you kind of know, like, what's going to happen. I mean, I even made a joke um, when I was watching it with uh, Connor when he was here that uh, it kind of reminded me of Holliston when they were doing the recreation of the fight where uh, they were getting robbed for the camera um so you know like everything was very telegraphed but the ability that john lu has uh i mean not only was he the director he also was doing a lot of the fight choreography Mm -hmm. for the movie so the guy had a lot of experience prior to doing this and this was actually supposed to be his fourth film that he was going to direct um Shortly after leaving uh, Hong Kong, he settled in France and started a production company with his wife at the time. And they released uh, three movies. Um, those didn't really get a lot of uh, acclaim or any kind of. Uh, just didn't find their audience. And so John kind of just gave up and, you know, moved on with his life. What we know now is that he tried one more time with what would end up becoming New York Ninja. Um, That never finished, obviously. And so he went apparently from the way the story goes to live in Vietnam off the grid and just didn't even wanna talk about it. Um, Brad Henderson, somebody who uh, worked for Vinegar Syndrome for a long time, doing a lot of their behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, he was very good at finding people. Um, he has since moved on to doing uh, Terror Vision and re- releasing a lot of movies there, so I'm looking forward to what he can do. Um, I've had some really good interactions with him on Twitter, so I am very excited about what he can do. But yeah, he was trying to uh, track John Lou down, and from what he found out John did not want to talk about it. So there's a lot of this that you're just, it, it, it's going to be lost forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a, it was actually something that Curtis and the, um, the other owners of vinegar syndrome were already planning for, because there was no script to work with. There was no sound, so they were already prepared to kind of just make their own, to use Lloyd Kaufman's phrase, make their own damn movie. Mm. Um, I'm kind of curious for for you not knowing a lot other than what I've brought up about it in conversation. Like, What was your impression of this movie when you saw it?
1: Oh, I mean when I actually saw it? Because unfortunately the first time we watched it, I was having to do the Beyond the Bat script. But I got lucky and watched it on Saturday, actually, um, without doing anything else focused on the movie. Um, I, it was fun. Like, you know, like, look, I'm one of those that, like, and I, I was thinking about this when we brought up the fight choreography. Um, I always, it's kind of like, a, it's a weird pet peeve, I guess. Maybe not. But when people go, like, oh, this old movie's corny because it's old. Oh, it's, I don't like it because it's old. And to me, like, I'm one of those, I'm like, when you're watching something... And even though this was released now, it was made in the 80s. And I get, you know, obviously now we live in what we like to call the post-John Wick war. We have seen what action cinema can be in, you know, a, a fucking John Wick film universe. And yeah, it's awesome. I love those movies. But obviously when I'm watching something like New York Ninja or anything older that's not fucking John Wick or The Raid or, you know, insert any other, you know, big hit, you know, action film from the past, like, 10 years. Um, Here, I know I'm not going to get, obviously, that because it was a different time. With that said, yeah, I have seen better martial arts films from that time, absolutely. Um, But this film was fun. Like, there, you can tell, I think what makes it work so well is that, you know, I, I don't... I I'm very curious on what happened with John Lee not want to talk about this at all. Um but it looked like there was genuine like heart in what was trying to be made and and, and you get the feeling like yeah this was a guy that was like look this is my last shot and if not I'm done. And you can kind of like I can kind of you kind of get that feeling as you're watching it. But I I had a good time. Like it's an outrageous plot of like and granted, they're using kind of the same old thing of, like, New York at an all-time high crime in 1980. Like, yeah, yeah, it's 1980s in New York, we know. Um, but they use that in a way that works. And, yeah, it looks goofy when he's out doing his stuff in the middle of the day. It's definitely, I think Connor made the comment when they were, you guys were watching about, like, yeah, that's why they don't film Batman during the day or something like that. Yeah.
0: Because
1: <laughs> it looks goofy. But this film embraces what it is. And that's what I'm all about. When when a film says, look, I know I'm over the top, I know I'm ridiculous, but fuck it, let's just embrace and have a good time, I have a good time. And that's what this film did. It was just a fun time with some of the most cheesy, like very over choreographed fight scenes, outrageous villains, even by like new eight nineteen eighties New York film standards. <laughs> um and like I, just a, a whole lot of fun and the added benefit of like them having to bring, you know, Vinegar Syndrome having to bring actors in now. To do the voice in a script and actually try to make it feel like the uh, martial arts films of that time with the bad dubbing. It's just a whole other trauma that I'm probably actually sure would not have been there had it been completed in 1984. But now you have that weird trauma of people trying to say let's make it feel like that. That goes a long way for me. I mean fucking you got Michael Berryman voicing like this sadistic serial killer in the film. Like that's fucking awesome. Ginger Allen. Uh, Ginger Lynn sorry. Ginger Lynn. Fucking just randomly voice and like, hey, fuck it, let's go. So I, I, you know, for my first time watching, kind of hearing the few things I heard about it, I had a lot of fun. It's one that I can see, like, putting on for, like, a party or if I just want to have a good time, something I could throw on easy.
0: Yeah, no. So, like, one of the the things that uh, Curtis was planning for when he when he knew that he was going to be given the ability to actually put this together, um, was to just first get everything organized and edited. And even then he still had no idea what this movie was about. Um, they had a plan to hire a lip reader so they could figure out what people were saying. But then he was like, wait, what, what you were saying about the, uh, the the dubbing that they did and how the dialogue didn't always match what the lips were saying like that was all intentional that was that was Curtis's way of you know giving a nod to a lot of the kung fu movies that he loved and how the dubbing was always like that and even for for me and for you as well uh, watching a lot of uh, Italian horror movies Mm -hmm. that is an absolute hallmark of the way they made their movies the Italians the... loved to shoot theirs without sound, mm-hmm. and then have the the actors themselves dub themselves in English, mm-hmm. and it just it makes for a whole other level of experience.
1: All the it, terrible dubbing and old Godzilla films, oh fucking watch them all the time. Got such a kick out of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. It just it it becomes a way for you to engage with the film, you know, on on a on a one on one. But then, as well, in company with friends, you get you, you get a whole other a whole other level of enjoyment out of it. Me personally, um, this was absolutely a and I know you like to uh, give me shit about it and and make fun of me, but it's a party movie. It is definitely one of those things that you put on with a pizza and beers in front of you, and you guys just go out and enjoy it. I mean, if you have a problem with a movie where a guy is a ninja and he's in roller skates. I don't think I want to be friends with you.
1: I had a moment when that scene popped up where I was like, is he on roller skates? And what I love is that it only pops up in that one scene and then they go away. And I'm like, why was he, why was he in roller skates?
0: Not only that, (laughs) did you catch the part where he jumped over the car, didn't have roller skates on, landed on his feet. And then in the next shot, he's on roller skates again. Like, Shit like that, for me, as a as a as a film student and somebody who loves when continuity is played with and mm-hmm. it's done in such a way that, like, you know, the people that edited and shot this movie were just like, yeah, how the fuck is a guy going to jump over a car in roller skates and we're going to be able to, you know, ensure his safety? We're not. So this is what we're going to do. And we don't care. Because you're going to see it and you're going to be like, oh, fucking, sh- of course, you, you know, like you're going to have fun with it. Oh, yeah. And that is that is something that I've, I always enjoy about movies, period. Um, it's probably why I love trauma movies so much is they let you in on the joke. You know, they're not trying to, you know, impress you with a slick production value or fucking explosions or big-name actors and cheesy fucking one-liners and shit. No, they're going out there. They're giving you a straight-up story because the story of this whole movie is very, very simple. John is, you know, waiting to celebrate with his girlfriend who tells him that she's pregnant, and then when she's leaving to go to work, she runs across the very dastardly gangster named Cufflinks. Yeah, that's his fucking name in the fucking movie. I'm not even joking. Um, He
1: does indeed wear cufflinks.
0: Yeah, not like he's advertising them either. Like It's not like it's part of his character. He just has a suit and he's got flashy cufflinks. That's it. Nothing even more than that. And that was something else that Curtis had pointed out when he was looking at the footage. It's like, even the bad guys. like They all look like they're from different movies. They have these outlandish costumes and he immediately understood kind of what he had in front of him. And he was even more excited Mm -hmm. so that as he was putting this together, he was like, all right, I've got this movie put together. This is what we need to do as far as the voice actors. So like, if you're thinking about action movies and you're thinking about the eighties, there, there are very few names that come to mind. Um, I was really pleased with the fact that they got Don, the dragon Wilson and Cynthia Rothrock to be in this. Um, They also got some other fucking 80s mainstays. You had already mentioned Ginger Lynn. Mm. We also had Linnea Quigley and you know the ever-wonderful Michael fucking Berryman uh, to do the voice for the Plutonium Killer, which, if I'm not mistaken, is the exact name from the bad guy in Repo Man. (laughs) So I'm pretty sure Curtis is borrowing judiciously, from uh from that movie for the name of the killer i could be wrong uh i am shooting from the hip right now but again it's just showing where curtis is borrowing his love of genre movies and the actors for those genre movies um and when he started this it was in late 2019 and then as most people know early in 2020 the whole fucking world went to shit and covid really put a big fucking damper on this movie and only after a few months did they actually have the uh the ability to work remotely and and then that even expanded their options so like it's it's amazing that this movie sat for 35 years almost had a pandemic stop it from being fully realized only for the pandemic to even kind of like open up the options for the voice actors in this movie and oh by the way not only did they have no sound from this movie they had no music or fucking special you know like uh special effects like uh fight sounds and shit like that all of that stuff had to be added um my my next question for you so like being a fan of genre movies and all of that like hearing familiar voices how did that kind of play against what your expectations were for how they were used in the movie
1: oh that's a good one it uh it, it kind of throws me for a loop because what i like that intro is that they didn't try to make it look like a movie release in 2021 then no way were they like let's do some post work Make it look like it's released now. They kept it looking like when it was filmed, but you're hearing people that, you know, yes, they were big at that time, but obviously they're much older. They sound different because they are older, so they sound like they do now. And it definitely is like, oh, is that, like, you're the only you're like, is that Michael Berryman voicing? Is that Lemire Quigley I'm hearing? And and you're not expecting it because you're hearing them, but it's not the actor you're seeing because they are dubbing. Um, and I think, to me, it just added more to the enjoyment because of it. Because it's like, kind of, you brought it up when we talked about, like, um, you know, Italian cinema, right? And um, you mentioned it, like, when they dubbed, they didn't just dub the Italian actors. It was, hey, I know you're American and you spoke English, but we need to dub you also. So it almost kind of felt like that. Like, hey, we know you're speaking English, but we need you to have dub over this. Even though it makes no sense, but fuck it, we're going to do it anyway and it just to me added another wonderful like just fun quality to it um and you can tell like everyone involved was like really in on the joke really in on what's going on so it's not like they all played it just right like they knew what you know they use the fucking term that people like to use all the time they understood the assignment um so yeah it it throws you for a loop at first for sure. So you're like, I am hearing this actor and actress that I like a lot, but I'm not seeing their face. But then as you get accustomed to the film, you're like, Oh, but it kind of works. Cause you, you get what they're doing. You get the joke.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and that is, and that is like how you can tell that somebody like Curtis and the people at vinegar syndrome being fans of genre cinema Uh, In general, um, knowing what they had and kind of understanding their audience for this kind of movie, knew that they could make this movie this way and that it was going to get the audience that it deserved. Um, I mean, I, I don't think it's too far out of the realm of possibility that this movie could have been finished and released in the 80s and it wouldn't have found its audience later on it would have been a you know a big cult hit and all of that uh, i mean who knows what would have happened with john lou had this movie even had an actual theatrical release maybe he would have made some other movies maybe he would have gone on to uh you know do stunt work or choreography for other 80s movies i mean we'll never know but the fact that you had people who are fans of cinema and fans of genre cinema specifically uh behind this and coming at it with you know like I said at the top passion and commitment to getting this thing realized it it only makes it that much better and I I would put this experience with watching this kind of movie and the story behind it up against anything that's gotten released in the last 10 or 15 years right off the jump because this movie has a a a certain amount of heart and charm to it that you know for for all of its goofiness and it's and it's over the top acting and some really like really strange characters in it um i mean from the very like very stock cookie cutter you know like The everyman that John Liu plays who takes it upon himself to be the hero that the city needs because he's fed up with the police who feel like their hands are tied and they can only do so much. He's willing to go that much farther, which, like Connor said before, very much like Batman. (laughs) Um, And Also,
1: the ninja the city needs. The ninja.
0: (laughs) Hero. Ninja.
1: Just hero. just just ninja (laughs) it's in the title
0: very much so um i was actually uh i was actually talking to a friend and they asked me um so what's this movie about a ninja in new york obviously (laughs) and yeah i was i I was I, i was being intentionally vague and and funny only because again you look at the title new york ninja you're like I mean I'm in but what the fuck is this movie about? Um and uh, a lot of these characters are just so over the top and they all feel like they're from different movies but somehow they all exist in this one world. It's mm. crazy. Like you would you would expect to find the character of the plutonium killer in something a little bit dirtier and mm. nastier but somehow he fits into this movie and operates in a way that you're just like, yeah, sure, whatever. And of course he has a fucking henchman chauffeur with a rat tail who's also a very dastardly swordsman. You know, it's like it's like, Wait, where the
1: fuck did these fucking people come up with this shit? A dastardly swordsman, known for his shrunken fight style. Uh, also, I because I mean obviously, you know, I like trauma too, you, but you're much more into it. I kind of felt like Rat tail rocked off a trauma movie and somehow found his way into this film when I was watching it the whole time. I was like I feel like he could easily be like a bad guy in a trauma film. oh
0: absolutely absolutely fucking both of them the plutonium killer and fucking rat tail and i'm not I'm not making that up. Caleb's not making that up. That is actually his credited character name in the movie, Rat tail. look it up um I mean. It sucks because I feel like the people who actually physically made this movie deserve a lot of credit, but because there wasn't a lot of uh, a lot of end credit stuff done for the movie, nobody really knows like who a lot of these people are. And I mean, short of like knowing who John Lou was, like you you just you just don't know exactly who was in this movie. So the a lot of these people aren't getting. The, the credit that they're due for making this outrageous-ass movie. Um, it's it's kind of weird. Like It's quickly become one of my favorite movies that I picked up while I was gone. Um, I was really excited that I could get my hands on the actual physical release, even though I'm sure because Vinegar Syndrome owns it, they're going to have it indefinitely. Mm-hmm. Um, I really wanted to get the special edition that they were putting out with the booklet and the nice fucking uh, hard case that they that they packaged the, the movie in. Um, it was in a huge fucking pile of a lot of the movies that I had you buy me while I was gone. And I was very, very, very excited when I got my hands on it when I came back. And I was so, so happy with what I got. So if anybody from vinegar syndrome happens to hear this Uh, I'm gonna do my best to push this out on all of our socials Um, you know you can find us on Twitter uh, on the main at filmgasm Uh, that's filmgasm productions of course on Twitter we're also at filmgasm on Instagram Um, you can find Caleb on Twitter he is scarycaleb92 I am uh, zombie killer and uh we're also all on letterboxed um i'm working my way around to getting more proficient at writing reviews there but i'll usually definitely rate and give probably a snarky or a little uh, little quip about what i've watched um so yeah be sure to interact with us you can always email us at filmgasm at gmail.com to uh, send us any kind of information uh or you know comments uh feel free to uh talk to us on youtube if you want there are plenty of people that like to uh, <laughs> ridicule us for erroneously posting uh two assholes talking about movies instead of the full movie on youtube i did
1: uh, i get the feeling that we won't have that comment on this movie hopefully
0: you never know i'm you never look, know. it's the internet look. I am not going to uh, assume anything. We,
1: true. I will about to say, we do have some stuff. I don't want to ruin anything. We got some stuff cooked up, certain big uh, movie sequels coming out that I'm sure we're going to be like, oh, it's not the full movie. These just assholes talking about this really great action film hinting to a future uh, film as an episode. Um, but, uh, yeah, I actually, I looked when I was watching this. Well, okay, I looked before the site temporarily had to go down for the, the, uh, the V-Day sale. So um and they actually they do you're right they do still have it um on their site obviously now they don't have the big fancy art case because i was limited edition is what it is but you can get the the basic um you know the blu-ray release and i was honestly after watching i was like i could get that and the uh the comic they did that continues it and be set um because i i i think with vinegar sunshine for. i only have one box from them i bought uh not that I haven't tried in the past, but mine was a uh, for me. It was Roadhouse. As soon as they announced it, I was like, and they did the same thing with the the box and the movie and the book, and I was like, there's no way at home. I'm not getting that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I think the I think the world uh, deserves more New York Ninja. You uh, might not be the hero you want.
1: Ninja, Ninja, you want.
0: He's the hero we need.
1: The Ninja we need.
0: Look, we're, we 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 could fight all day about this. Um, I
1: don't have the energy after the day I've had.
0: <laughs> look, I don't want to. I, I don't want to get into your long drawn out day. I mean, I got shot in the dick. So, you know, do we really want to? Do we really want to really like compare notes? I have yeah. physical. I have physical bruises. You have emotional bruises.
1: Those run so much deeper. <laughs> i still I mean, got some from my childhood that haven't gone away
0: look i don't care what your uncle did to you and why he used mayonnaise or you know do we really want to unpack your irrational hatred of beans i don't think you want to go <laughs> the
1: beans are terrible oh god don't get me started on beans and my <gasps> uncle did nothing he was just a very scary man that never just said hi he was always get out of my way and hey how are you
0: Oh man, I really, I really wish you guys could see Caleb's face when I when, when I mentioned the B word. It's like he could be the happiest on cloud nine, loving life, feeling on top of the world. As soon as I say it, he just immediately like turns into fucking Schmeagle and he's like, "We don't talk about the precious." He's ooh, it's bad. It's funny for me. I love it. I hate you. Hey, whatever. I, I cooked you dinner. Don't don't even. I... You're
1: saying that as I'm looking at a can right now. I had a traumatic experience when I was a kid, and it hasn't left me.
0: And he is a true Texan, because if you mention that you're making chili with beans, he will, uh,
1: he has opinions. Let's just say that. You can make it without beans. It's very easy. You just don't put them in it.
0: But how else are you gonna get your fiber
1: oh my god figure it out <laughs>
0: um all right look if if you could if you could figure out because even though they do tease it at the end what would what would have been
1: your your sequel <coughs> for for this if it wasn't LA yeah yeah, Ninja, yeah. I'll do up send his ass to Texas. Houston ninja or <laughs> Austin ninja, you fit in there.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, oh yeah. No, I mean he'd get he'd get he get lost in the saucer. You know, I'm pretty sure Austin has some ninjas rolling around there. You know what? In their mind, they do. Just thought about this New York ninja versus the West Virginia ninja. Do you remember that guy?
1: Doesn't involve incest.
0: No. Oh well, no. maybe I don't. But
1: it's West Virginia.
0: I don't. I don't know the guy's personal life, but there's a there's a YouTube video if you ever look it up called the West Virginia Ninja and it's this fucking hillbilly motherfucker and he's literally <coughs> going through his, his ninja class and he's he's talking, there's this little bit where he goes Oh, you see this right here? Looks like a regular can of backer, doesn't it? No says I. It's a ninja star. And like he fucking throws this shit at the fucking screen. Yeah. Oh my god. It is the most hilarious thing I've ever seen. I, I Look, dear listener, if you haven't seen this, I want you to look up the West Virginia Ninja. After you are done crying from laughter and you change your pants because you've peed yourself, I need you to look up the trailer for New York Ninja. After that, let us know who you think would win. Me personally, I'm 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 going to back the guy who actually knows how to use a real ninja star and is an actual ninja. But if you think Diamond Dave, that's what he calls himself, uh, would would win, let us know.
1: I mean, with a name like that, <laughs> I I would just love Texas because I would love to see a film that's just stereotypes the living shit out of everything Texas. Just some bad guy in a fucking cowboy hat, the biggest belt buckle. Not too big to be disrespectful to so a good standing Texan, but big. And a bolo tie and everything. Oh my god, I would la- I'd be laughing my ass off. He only drinks Dr. Pepper, he does not accept Pib as a substitute. Shiner or insert any of fucking Texas beer <laughs> there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, so we we will never get to know what L.A. Ninja uh, would have been. Um, Him fighting hipsters. Not in the 80s.
1: Oh, yeah, L.A. in the 80s. It would have the been like the Crimson Bloods. Sorry.
0: No, what? No, no. Now, given his day job as a sound engineer, he probably would have been all over those
1: sets. That's Just saying. I, I read recently... I don't know why this blew my mind, but I read that porn sets smell horrendous.
0: I don't want to know how you got down that rabbit hole,
1: or what led you there. You don't need to know. N- There's no. a lot of lonely nights that I spend here. Don't I know it. And I'm just
0: at the other end of the apartment. Wow.
1: <sighs> door shut you don't know what happens outside that door
0: <laughs> no no and 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 i don't want to know um so all right hit me what's your uh what's your rating for the new york ninja
1: Ah, wow Oof. on the spot my rating oh one? i'm kidding just fucking come out and be like this movie was actually no i gave it since we're now my game over the little box i gave it a three and a half out of five um lots of fun really like i said, really enjoyed it from the outrageous characters the commitment from vinegar syndrome and um and all the actors involved to really commit to saying like let's make this a martial art film that feels like one of that time period absolute respect to that yeah you know the fight choreography it's a little over the top a little goofy but it works it, it it's it's just fun i can easily see myself watching this again and again Especially if I have some uh, friends over there, like let's watch something fun. Okay, I got the movie for you right here.
0: Yeah, um, I gave it a straight four out of five uh, using uh, letterbox, mostly because the the story behind this movie to me elevates it from you know just a straight forgotten uh, forgotten film to being something that was. Um, a lot more enjoyable. Um, I I definitely would have loved this movie just as it was. Um, it, even if I didn't have the compelling story behind it. But I think the fact that there was, you know, 35 years from when this movie was not even finished. But dumped in cans, left in a box to gather dust. And then rediscovered and... I mean, actually edited for the first time, the fact that we're sitting here talking about it almost 40 years after it was originally shot, I think that in and of itself um, should compel people just to watch it. Um, I won't say it's for everybody um, unless you're a real diehard of weird genre movies you know, you, you probably will walk away just going like, Ooh, what I waste my time watching this to which I will say, just fucking have fun. Like I I, I've said this more than once. Um, the biggest crime a movie can make to me is to be boring and Mm. New York Ninja is far from boring. Um, from having top notch, um, genre actors to provide the voices for the characters to the group voyager um making a brand new score for this uh Mm -hmm. which you can get on spotify i actually like a lot of the songs on there um and for quite the treat uh at the end of the movie stick around during the credits you will get the new york ninja rap no i'm not joking that is an actual thing uh it is well worth the price of admission to watch the movie Mm -hmm. um I do think you can actually stream this through, if you have a subscription to Showtime, um, so if you can't actually get your hands on the Blu-ray, why not give Vinegar Syndrome money because they're just going to find more weird shit put out. Keep giving them your money, folks. Uh, they're going to keep finding more New York ninjas out there.
1: Yeah. Um, and also with the rap and then again another little element that i liked that felt so true to the time period because if you take kind of like you know i think what they it went stopped filming like 1984 or something like that um that was a height of like you know people like docking coming out with the nightmare on elm street song and you know the the nightmare on elm street raps and you know alice cooper doing the friday 13th song like the really that period of like artists doing musical tie-ins to movies that were usually, to their credit, almost always catchy. Like, there's very few that I just I don't like. They're usually catchy. Um, so, again, just another element that they included to kind of give you that that vibe of the time it came out and to go with it and have keep having that good time even when the credits are rolling.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I don't have much else to say about this right now. Um, like I said, you can find us on twitter and instagram at filmgasm uh, we're also on facebook pretty much all over the socials um, you can email us at filmgasm at gmail.com uh give us suggestions for anything you want us to talk about um, we also post uh, post the episodes on youtube and across all the podcasting uh apps um you can find me on twitter at zombie killer caleb is scary caleb92 Uh, feel free to interact with us. Don't worry. We won't bite. Um, And if you really want to make Caleb's day, just uh, try and have a conversation
1: with him about beans. Oh, I'll murder you. (laughs) Then I will bite. (laughs)
0: Um, With, with that said, uh, next week, uh, we should be uh, tackling the Jack Nicholson, Michelle Pfeiffer, James Spader. uh, Very, uh, to me, a very horny werewolf movie. Uh, wolf there's also on oscar sunday uh they'll be talking about uh the matrix uh along with the uh 72nd uh, academy awards
1: Speaking uh, of action right there it,
0: yeah for real um what do you got coming up on beyond the bad
1: oh we're uh taking a look at an early adam sandler um favorite amongst the fans but pretty hated by the critics um the Waterboy which after um, sitting Through the Zodiac Killer, which has an insanely more interesting story than film itself, um, which check out Beyond the Bad on uh, that one. This week when we hear one of the most insane stories about how a film got made in its release. Um, yeah, we'll be tackling the Waterboy. It's, Connor hasn't actually seen this one, so this will be a first time Sailor watch for him. I have seen it. It's a personal favorite of mine. Um, it's also been years, so who knows how many times I'm going to be going like, Oh, we can't say that anymore. Um, as since that happens when you watch comedies from uh, your youth um, years later. Um, so I'm looking forward to doing it. This has always been, a, like I said, a personal favorite Sandler film. I think his early run of films is just fucking great. Yeah, I think he's been a lot more hit and miss in more recent years. But, man, that early run was great. And, yeah, should, should hopefully be a fun time, barring Connor not liking The Water Boy.
0: <laughs> well, I will say this. Connor has very specific tastes. It's very easy to, uh, to to assume that he may or may not like this. Um, then again, it just depends on, uh, I guess, how he likes certain jokes and whether or not he can tolerate looking at Rob Schneider.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Rob Rob Schneider is in almost all of Sandler's early films.
0: Yep. Um, yeah, so... Uh, Don't forget to uh, tune in next week when, uh, yep, they'll be talking about horny werewolves and book publishing and how that got put together. But until then, if you're ever in trouble, just look to the skies and keep your eyes peeled for a ninja.